And now, for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, PNR with This Old Marketing. Take it away, boys. Well, hello, content marketers. I'm Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 28 of PNR's This Old Marketing. A bit of a special episode here on the United States Memorial Day, recorded live on Monday, May 26th of 2014. As always, we'd love to hear from you. Won't you consider reviewing our little show? Just go to iTunes, let the world know what you think. And while you're there, and assuming the review is positive, of course, we hope you'll consider subscribing via iTunes or Stitcher or, you know, pop open a cold beer, use your favorite internet surfing device, swing on over to thisoldmarketing.com. And while you enjoy that cool one, you can also find the show notes and general awesome stuff we talk about here. And also, as I just mentioned, while I'm just about to start my Memorial Day festivities, my good friend in Cleveland is just finishing his. Please welcome the freshest, coolest cocktail of content marketing, Mr. Joe Polizzi. Hello, Joe. How are you? Happy Memorial Day. Happy Memorial Day to you, and a big shout-out to all those, uh, men, all those men and women. All those who have served in our oh, service. absolutely. Yes. And I know you have a history of it. And uh, and then, you know, my, my father was in the Army, and... Uh, and we have a history going all the way back as well. So it's just, um, I think that we should just, and I know we've got an international audience, but it's a big deal. It's, it's a big it deal. A big and to, every, to everyone deal. that have people that serve in the, in the armed forces. Uh, yes. But yeah, I mean, basically, I mean, we're winding down. So we did the, we did the cookout today. Uh, I was out grilling a little bit. We made a little fire pit. So it's oh, been an excellent nice. day already. But you know what? We, this old marketing must go on. So you and I... <laughs> this old marketing must go on, and it's better to do it now before I start drinking tequila. Well, that's what we talked because... about. Yeah, we, we actually we made this decision for you, actually, my friend, right, just to exactly. make sure we got it before the day gets too crazy. Well, it might have been an interesting show, but, uh, but uh, it, yeah. I mean, but as such, when I mentioned it's a special episode, we are going to go a little shorter than we normally do, just in honor of... Uh, and we're going to cut out rants and raves uh, for this episode, just in honor of Memorial Day. But we've got a very special This Old Marketing toward the end of the show... So I hope you'll hang around for that. Absolutely. And you, and you actually have a, something to announce about content marketing. Well, content. I just wanted to make sure. I mean, not that we do have a sponsor here today, and we talk about a lot of things with Content Marketing Institute. But this week is the end of the early bird discount for Content Marketing World, uh, September 8th through 11th. So if you want to go, and we're expecting well over 2,000 people from 50 countries this year, and it's just, I'm super psyched this year. I'm always super psyched about every show, but of course, we've been working very hard to make this one the best ever. And if you want to go, uh, this week is the last chance that you'll get uh, for the absolute least expensive rate to come into content marketing world. So I believe the early bird ends the end of May, the end of the month. And then once we get into June, you'll have a whole new price that you'll have to pay if you want to come. So I just want to throw that out. But even that, I mean, even that price is just amazing. I mean, because you think about Kevin Spacey, you think about all of the amazing thought leaders, and you think about this music festival that we're going to have. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's unbelievable. I think we're calling, yeah, I think we've dubbed it Content Fest. Which, awesome. which makes perfect sense, right? No, we are going, like, if there's a way that a business can go all in on an event, it's what we're doing for Content Marketing World. So I'm super psyched. And what's amazing to me is, and by the way, I love when everyone signs up, but we've had a huge amount of signups over the past three weeks coming into a Content Marketing World. And man, I mean, talk about some of the big brand representatives coming in. So it's nice when, you know, we target... You know, we have some things for small businesses, but mostly we're a mid-market and up event, so large enterprises can figure out 
complex issues to their content marketing. So it's nice to see that being represented in the audience this year. So that'll fantastic, be fantastic. Fantastic. All right. Well, moving on to the news and quickly onto the news here. So the first uh, comes from, well, I mean, who knew, Joe? Uh, Digiday actually announced the winners. I didn't even know that there was nominations for this wonderful thing, but apparently Digiday had their content marketing awards um, and GE took best in show, which I kind of find funny as a <laughs> way of saying it. I mean, did GE took best in show. I picture GE running around <laughs> the, the arena with a little leash on. But anyway, uh, they have their they had their big award show here. But what did you think about this? Well, you, you can't set you can't set me up like that. So <laughs> I have to put a disclaimer in. We have a competing awards program called the Content Marketing Awards. Yes. Uh, and by the way, yeah, I think that. In the next couple of days is the last. So anybody that has wants to do content marketing, ours is the largest content marketing awards in the world. Uh, so let's just put that out there. So, so none of. So I'm <laughs> completely unbiased when it comes to this article, of course. <laughs> um, so here's my. I'm going to do a little. You know, we're not doing formal rants. I have to do a little rant on this. First of all, I think there were some really good examples here. I actually want to get your take on them because you went through I it did, in more yeah. time. Than I went I through did. them all. Yeah. So the first thing I do. Because I've been involved in awards programs for a long, long time. And, of course, as a content marketing awards program, near and dear to my heart, the first thing I do is I go to the judging. I really need to know who are the judges because it it takes a lot of time and energy. And it's hard, actually, to find good judges. So the first thing I do is I go to the judges. And, by the way, all very good, respectable judges. But, you know, they had one thing in common. Uh, Robert, I don't know if you saw this. But that one thing in common is they're all from the agency side. Exactly. And I've got a problem with that. And that's what we try to do different in our awards is we almost invariably have brand representation or consultants that work with brands all the time. Um, but I try to keep the agency out of it because, and this is my, I guess this is my question to you. This is my experience when it comes to awards programs. Agencies tend to go after the really, really sexy, what I would call big content. Uh, things that they would want to do, that they would want to work on, and they they don't necessarily look at the judging in terms of return as much as, wow, is that sexy. Now, that's my biased take. I don't know what you what you saw. Um, well, I, well, look at the winners, right? I mean, there are, and, and, and to be clear, there are some amazing entries and winners here in all of their various categories. I mean, but, you know, having said that, they are all big brands, sexy, branded content, large, you know, uh, you know, they are not sort of recognizing consistent performance over time of, you know, I would I would dare say that most of the, you know, most of the companies out there didn't even realize this was happening. You know, this the, this awards, this award show or, or awards program was even available because, you know, you look at the winners, there's lots of duplicate winners, lots of companies won more than one award. Um, and it, you know, it, it, to me, it looked like a, a, you know, a, a great way to recognize some awesome content being produced by agencies. I guess that's the way I'd phrase it. Well, I mean, a couple good ones like Yuska Bank. I mean, I'm a huge fan boy of, yeah, of Yuska Bank. They got best brand newsroom. Kudos yeah. to them. Completely deserved. But in, I don't want this to send, and, and you're right, a lot of really good examples, but I don't want this to send a wrong impression to brands out there trying to do it because in a lot of cases, these are campaigns. 
That's right. That's right. They're just they're 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 content that have been attached on to campaigns in many in many instances, or quite frankly, just their social media channel, right? I mean it's just you know, you're recognizing their social media channel as a way of, of saying, Hey, that's a great content marketing approach and it's yeah, I'm not sure, you know, in many cases that this is a you know, recognizing content marketing as much as it is just recognizing clever campaigns. Which, you know, again, have their, you know, content marketing is an approach infused into the broader strategy. So it is something that I, you know, you can see the content marketing at work here. Um, but as it, you know, but it, it feels like, for example, I, I thought, you know, the GE Vine campaigns, the, you know, but they had, you know, their, their hashtag six second science fair and gravity day, which were, it's awesome. I mean, it's just awesome, yeah. great content, wonderful branded content, um, you know, and the Shutterstock blog. Which which one best uh, best branded content site or best brand blog was it's also a great great blog. I use that blog. Yeah. I, I read that blog. It's just wonderful. So I don't want to give the impression that the content and the companies that are producing this stuff um, didn't put forward a great set of uh, of, of effort here. I guess I, I I guess I it feels to me like the award show is sort of glomming on to the content marketing moniker in order to recognize some agency work. You know, can I can I poke a little bit of fun? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, we haven't already. Well, <laughs> not not to this extent. So so hold okay. on to your uh, to your seatbelt here. Hold on to my headphones. Here. So best content marketing agency, Atlantic yeah. Media St- Strategies. Right. So they must have come a long way because how many times have we referenced in our book and and in a lot of our case studies about the Atlantic Scientology example. Of course. Of, of this. Now, by the way, and I, it's probably totally separate, but it's just almost, it just, something just doesn't feel right to say that Atlantic Media Studios is, is the best representative when it comes to content marketing agencies when it, when in the last two years, it's the worst example of native advertising that we've ever seen. So <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Oh, by the way, ding, 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 native yeah, advertising. Yeah, there it is. All right. So, all I, right. you know, I don't know. And just a couple things I got to, I mean, first of all, Digiday, you, we we talk about Digiday articles on the show all the time. Absolutely. Very positive. Very, I love what positive. they're doing. This, I don't want yeah. this. I love the fact that they're trying to lift up the industry of content marketing. Nothing about that. But I just want to make sure that when people look at this stuff, they're, they're just not thinking that campaign focus and because when we go, even when I, I was in Sweden last week, and a lot of the people were thinking shorter programs, and I think that's what we worked on the most and talked about the most there was this is a long haul, this is a marathon and not a sprint, and I don't want the, what's represented at the best in this industry to be a sprint. That's right. That's right. Okay. Well, let's move on then. So uh, in other news, a new, <laughs> another event, um, which is just – as interesting, I think. Um, this was not an awards event, but another summit uh, called the, and I don't even know if I'm pronouncing this correctly, the MINS uh, Summit. Um, and at the MINS Content Marketing and Innovation Summit, uh, they this is an article that comes actually out of Folio Magazine, a publication I know you're familiar with. Um, and it talked about how the keynote there at this uh, MINS Content Marketing and Innovation Sub- Summit, Stephanie Losi, I think it's her last name. She's the managing editor at Dell Global Communication. She was the opening keynote and offered this, what they called a provocative look at what brands want from content and why they're not actually competing with publishers. What do you think about this? 
I feel bad, actually, because I feel like I'm going to rant on everything in this entire show. <laughs> I don't... Uh, Maybe I should start drinking tequila early. Okay, I'm uh, I'm under the assumption... I mean, Bill Mickey, by the way, wrote this article. I love Bill. I've known yeah. Bill forever. Uh, so I'm going to take it at face value that what Bill's saying actually happened. Um, so what the... Uh, Stephanie Losey, uh, is it that how it's pronounced? Yeah, Stephanie I, think, okay. I don't know how it's pronounced. So managing editor Adele is saying some things that I frankly don't agree with. Um, exactly. Uh, saying that uh, that brands don't really want to become publishers. Well, first of all, brands are already publishers. So that has, it's sort of a non-issue. Right. That uh, horse has left the barn. And then the other thing, basically talking about how brands want traditional editorial, traditional uh, publishing brands to survive. No, they don't. I don't think they give a crap. Actually, I don't think they do either. Do you, I mean, honestly, if I'm a, if I'm a senior level marketer at a any brand out there, I'm not losing any sleep that a lot of the media companies in my industry are falling down because you know what? That's where I'm getting my talent. That's where I'm pulling a lot of my future resources. I mean, we've. I mean, you and I have discussed the. Uh, this was back in the day when when some of these tech media companies were really letting go of a lot of people. I remember the the you know big fifty, some of the big fifty technology companies out there were just jumping up for joy because they got all these wonderful journalists that they could hire, that they were hiring as part of their brand uh, publishing communications empires that they're trying to build. So that's the one thing that I I had a problem with. Um, so there's there's two key developments in here. So I want to get your take on this. Yeah. So the first one is the brands want editorial. And a lot of this editorial needs to come from publishers. Now what what is your take? <laughs> what is your take on that? I you know, look, so the quote which is an extended quote that they pull where she says, quote, brands want traditional media to thrive. Brands need traditional media to thrive. Brands don't really want to go whole hog into becoming publishers. We don't want to hire dozens of writers and editors to try and do what publishers do. Brands don't want to play in the investigative journalism sandbox, but people accuse us of doing that all of the time. We want to publish our own content, but we need to rely on publishers to help us do that. So that's the quote. And there's so much that's wrong with that, um, not the least of which is the, the idea that w- – it doesn't matter if you want to or not. If you don't, you will fail. I mean, that's that's the first thing. It's like it. This is the Clayton Christensen wonderful. You know, you may hate gravity, but gravity doesn't care. Um, and <laughs> right now, for brands, if you don't adopt this media publishing, media brand mindset, it is it's game over. And that's the innovation that's going on. And how that gets infused into what you do from a marketing approach is entirely up to you. Now. Whether you actually and, – and you say this all of the time, which I think is so smart, which is whether you actually go out and find where your audience is already aggregated around a publisher and just buy your way in. In other words, buy the publisher and become – you know, and let them sort of do what they do on behalf of your brand now or whether you actually build it internally. And in fact, that's what we're going to go discuss a lot about next week at our executive forum is the different models of execution of this. So if what she's saying is – we don't want to become publishers from an executional side, but rather we need publishers to help us do that, and we're going to buy those publishers or create those publishing organizations in order to do this. I would 
I would say, yeah, okay, I, I, I agree with that. I don't think that's what she's saying. I, 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 I quite frankly don't know what she is saying, but, but I, I think what she's saying is, is that she wants to use native advertising because, remember, this event is, is an advertiser-sponsored uh, and a native advertising-sponsored uh, event. I think what she's saying is is that we need the audiences on these publishers in order to display our content. I mean, there. By the way, Dell is a big native advertiser. We we kind of poked fun yeah. at that a couple. of Well, they were ago. the inaugural New York Times example, right? So I, I you know, well, here's 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 the yeah. thing. What was it? Two shows ago that you talked about the this old marketing example from Dell. That I mean that you right. love that That's I think exactly the, right. that our friends at the TDA group yep. uh, put together. Yeah. So they're all they've. I mean, and I use the example, I bid on that project a decade ago. So right. they've been doing this almost longer than most. So first of all, there's, there seems to be a disconnect. Is, and maybe this is a silo issue. Is, is, could this be? Let's just think outside of the box for a little bit. Could this be the mm. fact that the Dell Global Communications Group doesn't talk to the corporate publishing entities that have been producing this content for a long, long time. So when Dell Global, and this happens in a lot of companies, right? Maybe she is just looking at native opportunities, uh, brand content integrations with publishers and not looking at owned media. I mean, could that be the case? It very well could be. I mean, I happen to know firsthand the siloed nature of Dell. So (laughs) (laughs) that is... uh, that is its own rant for another day, but but yeah, I think that could absolutely be the case. Is where she's looking at it is from the paid and earned standpoint, where she's saying, "Yeah, I from my little world, I absolutely need these publishers to exist because that's the way I get my content out there." Either unable, unwilling, or you know, uh, unknown that there is this other set of channels of owned media out there within the Dell ecosystem that are actually doing pretty darn well at it. Well, the one thing I wanted to get your take, she mentions this and I don't know if this was the way she said it, but she said subtle integrations of content. What do you take by that? What what do we, what's a subtle integration of content? Is that really what we're talking about is native advertising? Is that what we're meaning there? Well, no. I mean, I mean, look, I mean, I'm not, you know, again, I don't want to put words in her mouth, but let me just say this. I mean, as we have said innumerable times on this show and in conferences and in workshops and to clients directly, with native advertising, I want to be everything except subtle. I don't want my, you know, I, I, I don't want to sell and I'm not there to put my brand front and center. What I'm there to do is stand out make my content so amazingly uh, different and differentiated that I actually steal audience from that publication on which I am putting that piece of native content. That's my goal as a marketer. I'm not looking to integrate so seamlessly that you go, wow, that was a great New York Times article I read. No. If I did that, I would go write for the New York Times yeah. and, and, and be paid by the New York Times to write for them. I want to write a piece that says, holy smokes, the New York Times thought so highly of my brand's content that they decided to put it in there and I need to go find out what else they're doing because I want to subscribe to the other things they're doing. That's the reaction I want that audience to have. The last thing that I'll say is this whole, um, this is at the end of the article so you can, you know, you can check it out in the notes but she talks about this funky scale, offering a menu of options that range in customization so it sounds like she's saying she wants uh, publishers to come to her with really cool ideas uh, and ways that she can integrate yeah. her content. There's just a couple things. This is what I took from it. 
brands have been asking publishers to do this forever. Like, I mean, I've, I've been working with brands on this stuff for you know over 15 years now, and brands will take whatever they can get, and they want to push the envelope. The difference is, is over the last seven years, is because brands uh, publishers are not in a position of strength financially. They're now giving in. They're giving in to the demands of brands. So if Adele comes to a publisher and says, "Hey, I want to do this with my content and this and this," you know what they're saying? They're they're saying, "Oh, let's I'll listen to that." that oh yeah, That's right. we can do that. And I'll tell you what, a decade ago, it was always no. And I think that what you're seeing right now is those really, really, if there's a media company out there that's strong, they are a much better position to say no to a brand. And some of these smaller, niche publications that aren't doing as well, boy, they're all saying yes. And boy, that, that just makes me nervous. Because yeah, well, I mean, I mean, it was. I think it was just this week. It's not a story that we're covering uh, on the show, but I think it wasn't it just this week the time. Uh, Inc. said that at least two of their magazines, I know Time being one of them, they're going to now start selling the cover. I saw the I saw a picture where in the place where the address goes and the postal stamp, there was a little sponsored by Verizon, which was yeah. <laughs> which was a little bit which didn't bother me at all. But you know, we're coming to the point now where you I mean you're you're going to have a cover wrap on everything where that's just. You know, you're gonna have your Verizon cover and then open it up in there because that's that's a value and brands will take it. Absolutely. And they'll sell it because of course we talked about time is not in the greatest position right now, so they're looking for revenue. Right. Well, I mean, you know, and maybe to put a bow on this thing, it, it comes in context with the the you know, because I actually clicked through to the event. I was like, I gotta see what event this was that she was speaking at that she was the keynote of. And I have, you know, so I, I clicked through and it was called the Content Marketing and Innovation Summit, which ex- it described itself as, and you're going to, you're going to love this. This is going to drive you to start drinking again this, this afternoon, an immersion into today's custom advertising environment with a focus on native advertising and sponsored content. So of course, content marketing, right? <laughs> So, well, I mean, we get knows, so I got to mention a couple of things. I do have, I mean, it's so Min is Media Industry Newsletter. Okay, uh, it's been around for a while. I mean, of All course, right. growing up in publishing shows I, you what I know. Well, I read a lot, but I mean, but it's I mean, we're reading an article on Folio. Folio is their sister site. They're both owned by Access Intelligence. I got lots of friends at Access Intelligence, uh, so I'm not. But but you're right. It's coming from a different perspective. So I think that the we're we're looking at it from a from a, I'm sure most of the people in the audience were agencies or publishers. I would bet that right. probably less than 10% were brands. I guess, you know, and, I, and I'm not trying to pick on them. Well, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is that when we look at it from the paid perspective, when we continue to look at content marketing as a custom advertising platform or a native advertising platform or a sponsored content, e.g. fully in, if we look at the sort of Venn diagram of paid, owned, and earned, and these are fully in the paid perspective, we lose such a huge yep. piece of what content marketing value can really provide. And I guess my what I want to try and, and say is the takeaway here is, you know, and I'm not trying to pick on this one event. What I'm just trying to say is if we don't have a balance, then you're going to come away with the impression that content marketing is basically a new way to do advertising. And that just could not be well, further away from the truth. Well, this is, well, okay. Now you, you hit a button here. It's really important. We need to talk about this. This whole side of the audience for the most part looks at content marketing as a service that agencies and publishers can provide. We like, 
you're you're preparing for you know we're doing executive forum this week in san francisco right. you're we're looking at the research the deck this is about a brand taking a full approach going all in on the approach of content marketing and how that affects the entire organization that's one way to think about it versus this way which is very small very narrow i talked to a publisher that was looking to do a content marketing event and saying well you know I don't know how long content marketing is going to last. And I'm like, what? Like, (laughs) I don't even know how to answer that question because if you say that content marketing, it's just a a fad, you don't understand what's going on in marketing departments right now. You do not understand how in flux they are. And it's all over the place and how in a year, half your people will either get it and they'll get on board and they'll move or the other half are going to be gone. Because they're not going to be on board the train. I, mean, I just yep. so, anyways, that it's a it's that service mindset, and that's where publishers are in trouble because they're going to get a knock on their door pretty soon, saying, "Hey, we'd like to buy you, and we're a brand. We're not even a publisher because we just want your audience, and you haven't had well, you think, haven't been able to monetize that, and we can do a better job of it." And I think that speaks of what you just exactly said is is what speaks to exactly what. Uh, you know, what Stephanie, the managing editor at Dell said, right? You know, which is, that's how she's looking at it. You know, she's looking at it as a service that is provided to her by agencies and publishers. And so, um, and I just think that's a, I think that's, as you just said, short-sighted. I have nothing, nothing more to say. <laughs> I have nothing more to Wait, say Here about we that. said we weren't going to rant at all on this, <laughs> on this I should have just said, and, no, and, what I should have said, we should have said no rants and raves <laughs> special section. We're just going to, yeah. Joe's going to rant throughout the entire program. Oh, We're just going to celebrate Memorial Day by going to war with everybody. <laughs> oh, that's so bad. Um, okay, moving on all to right. our last story, actually, uh, of the uh, of the show. Um, brands struggling to crack the mobile nut. Um, this comes from Ad Age, actually, an interest, very interesting article, I thought, um, on talking about the challenges of mobile. And specifically, they start talking about some use case studies and some research that are there. And I think in a fascinating way, sort of by the time they work their way all the way to the end of the article, sort of go, yeah, mobile as an advertising platform is really hard. <laughs> I don't know what you, what did you, what did you come away with? I'm trying, well... I'm, I was actually I had to read it a couple times, Robert, because I almost got the feeling they're they're talking about mobile as what am I going to do with it? But really, they're talking about advertising, right? That's and exactly and I was right. on and I when I always say mobile, I say okay, well, okay, mobile, yeah. But what are we going to do? Are we are we talking with them? Are we talking at them? Is it an app? Is it a native app? Is it a WAP? You know, whatever it is, I'm trying to figure out what we're talking about here. So really, what the whole article says is, look, there's you know, and this is specific to AT and T. So AT and yeah. what's it called? Why marketers just can't crack mobile, and it's all about AT and T yeah. going through. And AT and T is spending, what is it? Oh, the majority of their dollars still on traditional television advertising. And how are they make that shift over? And you and I talked about this before. You can't make the shift over because mobile's not set up for advertising the way the television is set up for advertising, right? It, it's well, absolutely. You know, I mean, it's this is the this is the definition of insanity where you you, know, you keep banging your head against the wall and expecting a different result. I mean, you know, it's it seems like every week now we see an article about how people are really struggling with the whole mobile platform as an advertising platform because it's not. 
It's not it, it's it's not going to be most effectively used as an ad platform, and we can try and force that round peg in that square hole for you know for forever, but it's never going to be. I mean, it'll look it'll it'll have some use as an advertising platform, and I'm sure there are some you know click through, but we can continue to sort of tee up the beginning of articles with the world is going mobile, and 28 percent of consumers spend a million hours a day on mobile, dev- and now all of that is true, but they're not looking or clicking on ads, right? And and so they're looking at content, engaging with. Con- I mean, so Devika Garish, and I'm sure I'm butchering her name, so apologies for that. Um, on our own site, on Content Marketing Institute site, wrote a wrote a great post back in January called "A Mobile First Content Marketing Strategy," which I just thought was really wonderful. And she basically had three three points where she said, "Look." One, mobile gives you the ability to focus on localized content. You can get analytics about how people in your – so if you have a – if you're a retailer or if you're somebody who really needs to focus on local content, mobile is a great way to do that because you have that ability to draw the data out and get someone's location. Two, understanding mobile search and the intent behind search. So what are people actually searching for when they're doing such on a mobile device versus what they're doing on a desktop device? And three, leveraging that snackable video uh, usage, so leveraging video. And I thought those were just three great points to make in the differentiation of how do we go to market with content. Um, and, and it has nothing to do, quite frankly, with how we leverage a better advertising platform. Oh, there was a great – and I can't – you just – there's just a part of this that I love. It's something like if you're going to do a real mobile strategy that works, you almost have to have 365 programs a year instead of one like you would have on yeah. television, how, how hard it is. And the, the whole article is basically, and I love this, second wave of hell. You know, They went through the whole thing with digital right. agencies and brands, and now we're going through it with mobile. Um, this is the thing that got me, and I want to ask you, do you think this is true? This article says, uh, brands and agencies are just getting comfortable with SEO and banner ads now. T- a tactic yeah. is now becoming outs- obsolete. Do you, I mean, think about that. If that's true, which is really scary if that's true, and now, you know, of course, the banner ad is going the way of the dodo here. We're in, we're in big trouble, and that's why even and I had a couple conversations in Sweden and we were talking about uh, apps, and... The whole idea of the question was, well, should I create a native app? And and I was basically, I mean, I'm not a I'm not a mobile expert by any means, but I do know enough to say, hey, if you're going to do a native app, you're going to have to put a ton. First of all, it's got to be incredibly useful. Has to be if you're going to get people to move from wherever they're at to your no, na- yeah. native app. Second is you got to spend a ton of promotion to get people to that. So the way that that. I think you and I have talked about many, many times is maybe the better strategy is just to make sure that the content you create to the audience you're targeting is responsive so that it can be digested on a, on a mobile device. And that's our best way to go, be successful. If we're creating, if we have a really solid content marketing program to a particular audience of content that is helpful, needed, you know, helps them throughout the buyer's journey and they can access it on any device that's, that sounds like a pretty sound mobile strategy, right? I mean, <laughs> it, it, I mean, it could be, right? It could very, very well be as simple as that. I mean, I, you know, not to go down into the too far into the weeds here or off on a tangent, but I've been spending a lot of time over the last, oh, call it month, reading and rereading, uh, you know, Innovator's Dilemma and Clayton Christensen. He's got a wonderful article, by the way, this week in Harvard Business Review, uh, where he's talking about. 
companies and the, and their myopic focus on short-term success, which is goes way broader than marketing or content marketing yep. for sure, but it really talks about a lot strategically how companies and one of the points that he makes and it's another point in another book that I'm blanking on at the moment that that makes which is this idea that really in today's world we have rung everybody and rung I mean by w r u n g like ringing out we have rung out every efficiency we're going to ring out in a, in a business and with advertising especially the way I look at the way digital marketers large organizations and small organizations We've we've done the work, you know. We have figured out. This is why I don't believe that this whole programmatic ad play is is ultimately going to succeed. You know, you can set up trading desks and figure out how to do real time advertising and optimization, and maybe you get an algorithmic shift of 0.1 percent click through increase over the course of a month. But if that's how we're going to spend our time as marketers, is trying to wring out one more incremental convergence. Uh, you know, on a piece of ad, then we're spending our time in the wrong place. Where we should be spending our time is how can we, you know, how can we exponentially engage an audience that basically moves the needle, you know, in a big way, not just incrementally. It just, we have to start focusing on this because that's the differentiating factor in today's world. Well, let's take it, that's a great point. Let's just take it back to Dell, for example. So we talked about Dell before. Here's the way that I would think about uh, getting past the point one. And you know, we, we've got to really look at change in a different way. If I'm global communications director for Dell, I'm going to say, well, if people in the audience I'm targeting, when they're looking for all XYZ information, I want them to go to our site. I want them to get That's that right. information from us, right? Isn't that the. So basically, I don't even have to worry about advertising because. They're getting. We're communicating with them on all this stuff. They're looking for us. We're the leading expert in the information that they want to get, and we're going to build up this loyalty over time with them. And when they're ready to buy, I'm assuming we're going to have a leg up on that because we're we're the ones that are communicating with them on a regular basis. Isn't that a? Am I making it too easy? I know it's not well, easy it, to it, do, a, but no, it's, it's an not. Easy, it's not it's easy a, to do at all. No. I mean, you know, I mean, like even said more simply, you know. So, and I've said this maybe at the end of a hundred different workshops I've given, which is a direct quote from Jonathan Mildenhall when I asked him how he basically proved ROI to his CFO that this whole content twenty twenty thing was going to be a success, and he said, and I'll never say it as elegantly as he, he as he said it to me, which is the more engagement I create with that audience, the less I have to trade on it. And to me, that just says it so simply and beautifully, which is basically a very simple equation. The more engagement I can create through content, the more loyalty, awareness, and you know, affinity, whatever it is that my goal is with this content, the less advertising I have to do, the less promotions, the less couponing, the less point of purchase displays, the, I have to do less of it. And that ultimately is the ROI equation. And it's a big one, right? Which is how much less sort of buying my way into the attention span of my consumer can I do by creating value through content to earn that attention through that consumer. And that's, to me, that's just the magic of content marketing. Well, that's it's beautiful. And I, I mean, I think we both took away a lot. And poor Jonathan's now leaving for Airbnb. I know. Well, hopefully, hopefully he's getting just I'm stupid sure. Money well, I'm sure he's, <laughs> I should be more excited for him because, I mean, I just loved him at Coca-Cola. I'm sure he'll do great yeah. things at, at Airbnb. He's going to do Airbnb. amazing things. But I think Airbnb. the other thing that goes along with that is, is and you, you said this, but I'm going to say it again in a different way. 
when you if you need to actually advertise or you need to actually sell something directly to that audience, they don't mind as much. That's because, right. That's because exactly of right. all this goodness that you're there's giving so them. so much all, goodwill yeah. there. And that's you exactly said this, right. but I think that's such – of all the stuff you said, I think that's the most important, that we don't have to sell as hard as we used to because they don't mind as much. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Okay. Well, we speaking of advertisements and sponsors, we've got a couple of bills to pay here. What about our wonderful, wonderful sponsor this week? Well, we love them. They're back again. Uh, this is Emma, and Emma is the wonderful email marketing tool resource company. Uh, and they have they're promoting again this week this which we both you know are fanboys over. Is 18 email stats every marketer needs to know. If you haven't checked it out, you need to go do so today. Uh, the short link is bitly.com slash email dash PNR. That's bitly.com slash email dash PNR. That's all lowercase. You can also check it out in the show notes and, and make sure you, you take a look at that. Um, I mean, basically it goes through all kinds of, I mean, some stats that I wasn't even aware of. And I think there's the kind of it's the kind of information that'll help you make a little bit smarter decisions about your email. So I want everybody to make sure you check it out. And if you're not familiar with Emma, please, I mean, of course, we're biased because they're helping support this show. But really, check them out. We love them. I've always loved their style and the way they uh, the way they market as well. So they feature. You go to their site. They've got a bunch of mobile responsiveness templates on show. Uh, if you're not familiar, they do all kinds of social media integration. And then, of course, we've talked about this last time, the famous concierge services. That, oh, that's uh, fantastic. Yeah, that, that, of course, I can't do anything <laughs> by myself, and I need concierge services <laughs> to get it done. So, again, please check out. Talk about delivering value. Exactly. I mean, talk about delivering value through content. This is a great, it's a great piece. So thanks to Emma, myemma.com. Go check them out. Check out the, uh, the email stats package at bit.ly.com slash email dash PNR. Fantastic. All right. Well, as I mentioned at the top of the show, we are going to skip rants and raids. Not that you haven't gotten your fair share. I think we've we did listeners. enough. <laughs> we I think, did enough uh, ranting for one I think show. we've done enough damage for today. I can see the comments already starting to sprout up on the blog post. Uh, as as I, I have a feeling, I'm going to get an email from the folks, the editors at at the blog, going. Uh, by the way, there's some comments out there you need exactly. to be responding to. So, um, but we will, of course, keep our this old marketing. Uh, example because and and in in special commemoration of Memorial Day, I have one that is just near and dear to my heart, um, USAA. Um, and so, for those of you who may not be familiar with USAA, and I'm going to full disclosure here, I am a fanboy. I have been a customer. My family has been a customer of USAA from my grandfather back um, or forward rather. And uh, I have, you know, my dad inherited it, and then I inherited it from my dad in terms of being a customer. USAA started out as, as they say, not just an insurance company. They started in 1922 uh, when a bunch of U.S. Army officers, they were basically decided that they were going to pool all their resources and insure each other. Um, And that was the real start of USAA was basically a bunch of servicemen really trying to pool all their resources and money together to insure each other against, you know, what might happen to them. And as they've grown over the many, many years, they are now a, I think it's a $6 billion uh, financial services organization, and they sell everything from insurance to banking services to uh, travel services. They, I mean, they, they, there's a lot of stuff that they provide. And, and the, what I want to highlight is this 
uh, is their magazine, USAA Magazine, which has been around as far as I can remember. Even when I was a kid, I can remember getting the USAA Magazine in, in the mailbox um, and still get it to this day. It comes out quarterly. They have more than 4 million subscribers now um, published out of the organization focused on and I love this and Joe you're going to love this too their mission which is right up front on their on their masthead their mission for what they do as a as an organization for this publication is USAA magazine covers personal finance topics tailored for USAA members and relevant to the military community the magazine's objective is to help members become smarter financial consumers so every single article in there is how do I help them become financial financially smarter. So there's tips oh, on investing. It. And it's not just USAA. It's how to set up a IRA Roth. It's how to do uh, things like disability insurance, which, of course, USAA doesn't even offer. They have investment tips. They have homeowner advice. They have all sorts of stuff. And it's really uh, just div- uh, divided out um, by how they, how they do their uh, – how, all, all the different kind of financial uh, services um, that they you know that they talk about. So it's just a fantastic example. As I mentioned, it's I could not find a start date on it anywhere, but I know if for the last at least thirty, if not more years, this has been coming out every single quarter um, and delivered into mailboxes for all their members. Just a wonderful loyalty program for them, and an amazing example of this old marketing. Yeah, I'm actually looking right now, trying to find out when. Uh, when it started, they st- they actually launched their first annual report in 1932, so that we know. So that's the first formal communications of it. But um, I can't find it. I really I really couldn't find it either. If anybody knows, or if anybody can find it, please let me know because it's uh, you know I know at least as far back as the as the 80s. So, but not I, you know I couldn't find any exact dates. Well, I guess it, I guess for this old marketing, it doesn't matter. But we'll find it and we'll talk about it on the next show. Or we'll put it in the in the show highlights, hopefully. Absolutely. All right, my friend. What's coming up? You, I'm I'm off to go uh, watch meat cook and and well, drink alcohol. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you have your Memorial Day uh, to go through. Uh, I'm leaving on a plane uh, tomorrow morning, so I'll see you in San Francisco for a Content yes, Marketing World Executive Forum, and uh, and then. Uh, basically, it's three months of spending time with the kids. Uh, that you know, some they only got nine days of school left, and uh, wow. and it's, so it should be an interesting uh, and fun, fun summer. So, uh, but I'm looking for. We should have a good time in San Francisco, my friend. We should have a good time. We should have a good time. Well, I'm the exact opposite. I do this. Uh, I do the executive forum next week, and then starting in June, I'm on the road. I go to. I'm in New York uh, working with a client, and then on to Amsterdam for a few. Uh, speaking engagements there and then back and I'm in Omaha and I mean I'm just on the road almost all of June so I'll be out evangelizing the the good word of content marketing well yeah, for the, the next world. three months you're going to be talking about where you are and I'm going to be saying I'm <laughs> I'll yeah, play with exactly. the boys and play Lego we're outside yeah. <laughs> so you all the all the insight on the show is going to have to come from you there it is well uh, yeah, or maybe you because you'll be so well rested <laughs> Okay, folks, that is it for Joe Polizzi. This is Robert Rose signing off. And remember, if you'd like your question answered on the show, tag us on Twitter at hashtag thisoldmarketing or send an email to thisoldmarketing at contentinstitute.com. This was episode number 28. And if you liked it, we hope you'll consider subscribing on iTunes or Stitcher.com. All the links are on the show notes available at thisoldmarketing.com. Remember, everybody, have a wonderful Memorial Day. It's your story to tell. Tell it well. See you next week on This Old Marketing. 